You're listening to Arrowhead Radio. He doesn't love us because we're good. He loves us because he's good. You can't steer a boat that's not moving. We, need, we as Christians, we need to start opening our mouths. And it says that he who believes on the Son has life, and he that does not believe um, does not have life, and the wrath of God abides on him. Uh, to me, one of the greatest things God did to me was give me peace, give me a hope, give me a promise. And I thought, I have eternal life. I'm, I'm about for heaven, and it's, it's forever. I'm Mark Dana. And I'm Venus Cote. And this is Hope to the Nations. You saw those uh, challenges there on the on the winter roads on Facebook. Yes, the jigging. Jigging, yeah. yeah. It's it's lighthearted. It's it's part of the you know the people, their lives, and everybody enjoys it. Like yeah. they're laughing and you know they're challenging somebody else to do it in their area. And here they don't do it here. It's just all. Ontario, go west, and you see uh, yeah. jigging, and you see square dancing, and and people just know how to do that. And it's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. even the Inuit, the yeah. Inuit love uh, jigging. They have jigging contests, and and they also love like the uh, the the uh, Scottish um, dancing, like bagpipes music, which is kind of fun to watch. These all these little girls, and they've got these. These uh, kind of uniforms and their scotch uh, tartan, yeah, tartans, and they're they're all Inuit. They, they're Inuit. Yeah, they're Inuit, and and uh, people just love that. It's like ethnic or something, you know. Is, like is, they so, like that. is there Scottish in their background somewhere? Well, a lot of the uh, people that that ended up up there were Scottish background, like you know. Yeah. So there's a lot of Scottish influence and. Probably the jigs, and I think even Bannock came from originally Scottish. It did, yeah. it did, it did. It came from Europe. And then it kind of got adopted into, you know, became a part of the, you know, people's lives. And yeah. Now you think of Bannock, you don't think of Scottish, you think Oh, of shoot, I was supposed to make some Bannock for Very good, morning. warm, melting with butter, and just coming off of that. Yeah. Frying pan, the hey, smell. Tyler, you didn't remind me to uh, make bannock for you. Are we on? Oh my goodness! <laughs> what is his bannock? Is that good or? Well, I grew up with it. The only time we had bread is uh, for our school lunches, and my grandmother would make five bannock every morning, and they were gone by the end of the day. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah. She taught us how. She taught us how to make bannock. As little girls, and mm-hmm. we laughed because some was just like cardboard, and <laughs> well, we turned out to be pretty good bannock makers. You got to start somewhere, right? Yeah. Yeah. So bannock is kind of uh, for me. It, it makes me think of hospitality in a sense. Some bannock of the, and tea. Yeah, like if somebody offers you bannock and tea, or bannock and moose meat, like yeah. you know that that's a kind offer, right? Yeah, it's, uh, it's it's funny because my grandmother, we never had a coffee pot in the house. It was always a teapot, teapot and uh, bannock. And, and uh, my grandmother would uh, tell us to go make our cup of tea. And mm-hmm. we knew how to do it, not too strong and not too light. It just had some color to it. And so we turned out, we, we, we turned out to make pretty good tea for my grandmother because she didn't like it strong. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Some people leave it on boiling like for a long oh, time. Oh, that's the. Uh, that's good tea. First time I was exposed to tea in the Maritimes was when I went to go and visit this home. And she offered us some tea. And so she boiled the water, put five, six tea bags in a clear pot, <laughs> put it on the stove, yeah. and put the water on and boiled turn, it. Turn the uh, stove on to bring it to a good boil and put it on low and sat there and. Pretty dark stuff. I now finally had tea. to say I had to say n- no more because I was getting really bad headaches from it. Yeah, yeah. and you got to run to the washroom like every 
every five minutes or something after. Yeah, the funny thing is I grew up with tea, but I'm not a tea drinker. Really? I would, I would prefer coffee over tea. Yeah. yeah, me too, actually. I like coffee better. And uh, that's something I picked up, I guess, New York City. That's where I picked it up. Coffee? Yeah, it was like only 18 or so, and there were coffee shops everywhere, and, and it's kind of cool, you know, you're, you're an urbanite, and you got your cup of coffee in your hand in the morning, and it's, well, in Setil, right? Setil, people drink coffee out of straws up there. Tim Hortons, they all give a straw with the coffee, so. Hot coffee hot through Hot coffee a through a straw, Yep. That would be hard because you'd be burning your lips and your tongue. Well, there's a way to do it. There's a way to drink, and that's what they prefer. So you huh. see people up there with those straws. And I've, that's interesting. I've had straws before, and I just, you know, you live with it or whatever. So, yeah. And some homes you go to, they offer you coffee, and they bring the jar of instant coffee out. And I'm mm-hmm. not an instant coffee kind of person. I like no. my drip. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was this one time we were living in Burn Church, and our neighbor up the road was, she was 90 years old. They lived in this house with no electricity, and there were like 13 cats there. Well, she had the heart of gold. She was a wonderful lady, right? And so she was serving us coffee. And so the you know those little teacups that they have like they're fancy china cups they're yeah. just they're not really a cup like like this one that's a coffee cup right it's, you just can have to two hold cups your in two there. fingers and your pinky up yeah well then she put in about two of those spoonfuls of coffee <sighs> and maybe three spoons of sugar you'd have no room for coffee <laughs> <laughs> it was like kind of like a syrup kind of idea but anyway, you drink it and thankful for it, right? It's that's part of uh, hospitality, right? Yeah. When I first started coming into homes, uh, go visiting, like where I grew up, you enter a home, you take, you learn, you take your shoes off at the door, mm-hmm. and that's the way we were taught. Any home you go into, your shoes come off at the door. Right. And some of the homes that I was going into, I was going to take my shoes off and. Uh, Oh no! Leave no, them don't on. Don't bother with that. Yeah, leave them on. Just, just come inside and, and I take them off. And I said, it's just respect entering a home because that's the way I was raised. You take off your shoes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've learned to do that too. Yeah. But in the states, people don't do that so much. Where I, when I was growing up, it wasn't that thing. Well, you come into my home, you take off your shoes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, out of respect. Yeah, just that's just the way I was raised, and that's. Yeah. What and it is. When I'm thinking of camp ministry, and that's one of the first things that came to my mind, and I think as we were sitting around talking about it, hospitality, that aspect that anyone can drop in at any time, and, you know, maybe the coffee pot's on. If it's not on, we'll put it on. Uh, There's tea, there's whatever to eat. Now, which camp did you work at, Mark? I know it's it's in Quebec, but... Yeah, well, it's called Quea Katage Ministries Camp. Does it mean anything? Yeah, well, it means uh, telling the story the way it is, like accurately telling the story. Or is that's, that in uh, French? That's or in is that Algonquin. In... Okay. Yeah, I like that that concept. Tell the story, kind of straight, straight story, kind of thing. Because uh, I think that's what we aim to do with Jesus's stories to tell it the way it is, like the best, most accurate, but not just accuracy and all the details, but what it's all about, right? The uh, the love, the hospitality, and hospitality is part of Christianity. It has always been. It's a part of many cultures, and some of the people in the world are just known for their hospitality. Even like uh, our, our daughter, she went over to Jordan, and she could just meet somebody on the in the street, and they'd invite her into the house and treat her like royalty almost. Because in hospitality, um, the more you show hospitality, the more you're um, communicating also your ability to be a good person in a sense like that. So if you're not hospitable, you're not a good person? 
That would probably be the opposite of that value, yeah. If you're not hospitable, that's one of the worst things you could be. You would not be looked highly upon. So I'm coming to you, and I was raised in a home where you fended, fended for yourself. And, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. and if you were going to teach me how to be hospitable, I got people coming over. Yeah. And... Uh, Put a, make a pot of soup and make some bannock and put some tea on, and they come into my house and I, and everything's on the counter. Yeah, help yourself. Exactly, that, that's hospitality, and just take what you want. And I've heard stories about that's the way it is, like in in uh, southern Quebec, uh, an Abenaki community. You could walk into any house and just walk into the. The kitchen, open the fridge, take out what you wanted to eat. Even wa- open, walk, and open the freezer and get something out and cook <laughs> something if you want and put it in the microwave. So that's hospitality is like that openness of, well, you come, you're just welcome, right? You're just welcome. Don't feel like you have to. See, I would be the opposite. I would feel very uncomfortable looking in their fridge for something. And I wouldn't. I, could, I would come to your fridge and look in there. And Might take be whatever. empty, Mark. Might be empty. Could be. It could be empty, yeah. Well, we'd make bannock then. Uh, so anyway, but that's kind of not the, I don't think it's the same as it used to be, right? Yeah. Because uh, I think now people are more guarded, like when somebody comes to your house, you you got more time, like, well, I'm busy, or that's kind of a catchword yeah. these days, right? I'm busy. Mm. So, I mean, so I don't know if hospitality is kind of diminishing or it's taking on different forms, like, like maybe in your own group, right? Like you've got a group of friends. Oh, well, make yourself at home. You know, you feel right at home, go to the fridge, et cetera. You would do that, right? But you wouldn't if... You didn't know that person, or well, they would tell me that, but I wouldn't do it. That's just that's just me. Yeah. Well, I you, be, I well when I told school. you to get something out of my fridge, there you did. No, I'm just kidding. Or I'm I'm just leading you on. That's what we're, it's not kidding, and it's not really. We had a discussion about that this morning about. <laughs> I'm <joking>. leading you <laughs> on. <laughs> about about joking about uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. white lies and <laughs> and uh, I had a, a um, uh, a missionary who is retired and gone on home to be with the Lord and I asked her one time, "What's the difference between a white lie and a joking lie?" And she looks at me and she says. A lie is a lie is a lie. lie. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, I can see that perspective. Um, But uh, at camp, uh, we always make, at Quaketage, we always make it uh, a policy that if someone comes in, there's going to be someone that greets them, official greeter usually, because they represent us. You know, we can all do it, but not everybody will have maybe the skills to do it well. And then they can come in and sit down and we'll, we'll serve them. And if they come for a meal, then we never say no. So where is your camp located? It's, uh, it's in the park, the Leverandrie Park in, in Quebec between um, like Maniwaki and Val d'Or. It's, it's in the park there. It's... Uh, it's Algonquin land, and we set up on their land with their blessing, which okay. we always try to maintain that relationship with the community. And uh, just it makes me think of this story a couple of years ago where we had come in a little early and we had set up our tent. We have a, a big tent for our dining hall. And so it's it's a rugged type. Yeah, it's a rugged type. We camp in tents and we bring everything in and and we set up and people come and people go. The kids don't stay overnight usually, although some of the older kids can can stay overnight with their parents' permission and stuff for kind of an what we call leadership and training. Okay. 
so they 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 could stay at all times and um but we were trying to develop that part but uh in this particular case the community had scheduled a barbecue and their barbecue was just up the lake a little ways there was another campsite we're in one campsite they're in another campsite and that particular year there was a lot of real big storms and downpours and they had gone for their community picnic and all of a sudden it started coming down in buckets so they just hauled up all their stuff got in their cars and they came down to our place and said can we set up here so we said sure you know come on in so they were in out of the rain and they could use like they had their own barbecues they were barbecuing hamburgers and um, they were able to use our stoves too so we helped them uh, cook some hamburgers and so everybody just kind of mingled together it was a good portion of the community came because it was a community event and so we've always tried to have that that uh, that kind of uh, focus is that we're we're in a team teamwork with the community we want to work with the community the most we can and um, that includes sometimes having parents come in and give us a hand and we found that really helpful because <clears throat> sometimes when you tell a kid get out of the lake and you're they don't know you they're not even going to listen to you but if their aunt or somebody with a big voice from the community said, get out of the lake. <laughs> then they'll just right away, they'll go. They obeyed. They, they obeyed because they knew who it was and they, they had a little bit of fear because, well, she might tell my grandma or something. <laughs> but anyway, having that link with the community is helpful. And then they know also that we're not trying to be overly disciplinarian. That's not our goal is to discipline kids. Mm. Our goal is to try to, you know, like build relationships, like trust relationship with them, build them up, show them that they're of value. And that's always one of our, our goals is to show kids they're of value. And we never want to break that trust. We, want, we always want to do things that make the kids feel important, not so they feel belittled or... Yeah. Well, I work at Arrowhead. Uh -huh. Arrowhead is uh, is Ministry of NCEM. That's and down in Chipman area on Grand Lake. It's in Cumberland Bay. Cumberland Bay, okay. Cox Point Road. Mm -hmm. Chipman is the nearest town, and right. we're an hour out of Fredericton. Right. And... Um, we have a beautiful facility here, nice trees and it really is and, yeah uh, it's it's come a long ways from what it once was and I've been at this camp twenty eight years and I've seen uh, many children come and go and mm. I never thought that I would be in children's ministry. I always thought my ministry was to older people yeah, and seniors, and I come to find out that uh, I've come to really appreciate and, and love the children that, that come to us. And now I guess there's even children of campers that are coming. Yes, and some of the parents uh, tell me that when they're bringing their kids to drop them off, that this was the best time of their life. Mm-hmm. At Arrowhead, and, and uh, they want their children to experience that. Exactly. Uh, that's no 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 kidding. Um, like I know that sounds a little like a promotional for Arrowhead, but it's not because I could say the same thing for our camp, that there are people who had such a wonderful time as children that they really want their children to experience the same thing. Yeah. So it's... Uh, it's great that the ministry is still going on and someone like you who's been there year after year like I think some of the kids would be very disappointed if you all of a sudden looked around where's Venus yeah it's uh I've had people ask me that I haven't seen for a long time are you still at Arrowhead 
Mm-hmm. I said, I still am. And they said, oh, I remember you back when, when I was a child and now they're adults. And to me, that's, that's fascinating. That's interesting because uh, they still have that same respect for me back then when they did yeah. as a child and now they're adults. And, and when they come to camp and make sure uh, Venus is still there when you go and you yeah. listen to her and and uh, you obey. And if that says something when their parents are yeah. telling their children to obey. It is. And uh, there's only one downside to that. And it's not, it has nothing to do with the camp. It's just that we're getting old, right? Because that means. Speak for yourself, Mark. We are. <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm heading getting older. Getting older. Uh, so, I uh, used to, I used to be able to. Uh, for years, I was a cabin leader. I'd stay in mm-hmm. there with the kids and and be with them twenty four seven. And and we used. To, I knew I was getting older when we'd have a time in the afternoon for rest time. Mm-hmm. And I tell the kids. <laughs> And you'd stay, fall asleep? I, st- <laughs> I tell the kids, stay on the deck. Don't leave the deck. Uh-huh. I said, you can sit on the deck, but don't leave the deck. And I would have a half an hour snooze. Yeah. And they never left the deck. They stayed in the deck or they stayed in the cabin. But I I could trust them while I had my half that's, an hour sleep. That's pretty good, actually. Yeah. Well, that's uh, I can just picture a number of parents that, you know, put their kid down for a nap and end up. Sleeping themselves. <laughs> One story. Um, I had the older girls, and I took some girls to the washroom. They had rigged my sleeping bag. They put fishing wire on the zipper, uh-huh. and at the at the bottom of my feet. <laughs> and so I didn't know any of this. And we come in and we had our time together and we prayed together and shut off the lights. All of a sudden, my zipper started to slide <laughs> down and I stuck my arm out trying to feel to see if there was anyone around and anyone on the floor, but there yeah. was nothing. So I never said nothing. Uh-oh. And then the foot of my sleeping bag was starting to lift up and down and and I got up to feel, and 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 then the zipper was coming down, and then the girls are starting to get scared because I was getting, I was getting they were, scared. They scared they themselves. Scared. They 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 didn't scare themselves. They they, they scared sc- themselves because of me. Right. Because I they knew in my voice that I was uh, getting scared, and I started to pray, and then they knew that they were scaring me, so they figured they better stop. And uh, oh boy, so. They never said nothing. Mm-hmm. Wednesday, I think it bothered them. They had to fess up. <laughs> and when they fessed up, I started to laugh. And they they were afraid because they thought I would be upset with them. And they said, we're so sorry. We were the ones that put uh, fishing <laughs> fishing line to the sleeping bag and tied, my, tied Pretty the foot smart, of my eh? sleeping bag. And, and they were afraid because they thought I was upset. And I, and I said, oh, my God. Goodness, you have no idea. I thought we had a little visitor in our cabin, and, <laughs> and and we we had a good laugh. And they apologized for that one for scaring me, and they scared themselves because they thought I was upset. And mm. They were afraid that I was going to be upset with them. That was hilarious. Somehow, kids like who they love. They like to trap. Yeah. Just the other day, my grandson was waiting for my son to come home, and he had set up uh, booby traps there for him. And he was laughing. He thought that was so funny that he was going to boot tap his dad. But he loves his dad, right? It's just, uh, it's a lot of fun, eh? Yeah. <laughs> uh, when I first come to camp in the Maritimes down in 1987, I went up in the Miramichi there. And they put me in a cabin with five and six-year-olds. Mm-hmm. And it was nice because they were just little and they would go to bed early because they were tired and they had a busy day. So one night we were doing our Bible reading in our Bible time. And I led two little ones to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And uh, and they were walking around holding their chests because they believed that Jesus was living inside of them and that Jesus came into their heart 
and that Jesus forgave their sin, and so he came to live inside them, and so they were walking around holding their chest because mm. they had the living God living in their hearts. Mm. And uh, so as years went by, I often wondered about them little girls, if they really understood what mm -hmm. they did yeah. back then. And I ran into one of them a few years ago at a conference in Fredericton, and I re recognized her, and she recognized me. And I asked her, um, no, I didn't ask her because she came up to me and she said, remember when you helped me to ask Jesus into my heart mm. way back when, when I was five and years old. how old is she then? She was five years old back then, and now she was an adult with children of her own. Wow. And it was it was a sigh of relief because I it's didn't open. know if she understood. And she said, Venus, and I asked her, I said, you remember? She said, yes. She said, I remember when Jesus came to live in my heart and Jesus forgave my sin. I remember. I never, ever forgot, and I always remembered you because you helped me. Yeah. And I thought... I always wondered, and that was God's answer to prayer for myself because I always prayed and wondered if she ever remembered what she did, and she did. Children's hearts are so open and tender. Eh? Yeah, that was that was pretty cool. Uh, Jesus loves children. He wants us to be more trusting and yeah, and open to Him. That's a that's a. That's a good memory for sure. And then that confirmation that, yeah, it meant something to to her, right? It yeah. was not just a prayer. It was yeah. actually her opening see, her heart. See, I don't know how to swim, and our kids love the water. Mm -hmm. They love to swim. and Yeah, uh, that's a essential I, part of camping, right? Yeah. I go Gotta into the water and I play with them and they say, Venus, do you know how to swim? I said, no, I don't. And here you'd see about three or four little ones trying to teach me how to swim. And I got the dog paddling. Now I can move my arms a little bit, but I, I still get nervous. So I can say I'm thankful to those little ones who are just willing to teach an adult like me that don't know how to swim, try to swim. Because they're just they like little help. fish themselves <laughs> in the water. Yeah, out on the prairies, there's not as much water. Eh? No, it's just uh, not something you you deal with every day. Um, when I think of camp myself, I'm thinking of the family camp we had one time up at around Burn Church and Tavison Tack, and it was really a rustic camp. I think for me, I think the more rustic, the better, in a sense. Uh, the more, what I mean is like the more roughing it is. And so uh, we had asked for permission to have this field right by the Tabas and Tak River and for a family camp. So we had that old army tent that, you know, we used to use all the time. And we, we came and we set that up and everybody brought their own tents um, I remember one lady, she was an elderly lady named Marion, and she had this little pup tent and she was having trouble with a zipper. And so we were helping her with that. And she was like already in her seventies, I think. And she came and our speaker was a Cree man, a Cree pastor from out in, uh, Alberta, um, Bill, and he played the guitar and sang and I think for people around here, it was probably the first time they'd interacted with someone from another tribe out west, like a Cree person. And they were interested in that. One of the main features of the camp was that people could come and go. Like some of the older people from uh, Eskinuobadich nearby came with their, their, um, their chair and they'd just sit in the tent and just be quiet, and just enjoying things. And then when it's time to go, they went, and people came and they went. Um, we had such a fun time together. It was just because everybody was on the same you know, level of comfort. You know, if you had a tent, you were doing pretty good. We, we had, I guess, you know, just the basics uh, there. But 
the music and the message that was brought uh, was really good. And there was one person, a friend of mine, and he uh, he said that that was the best time that he had ever had. And he was so enthusiastic. He was going to bring everybody in his family, you know. But somehow we were never, ever able to capture that again. It seemed like the more you had for facilities, the less people would kind of stick together. And I just remember the last day of that, we had, we all brought our food together. We all had our little campsites where we had our fires, where we'd cook our food. And we all brought our food together and we had one big campfire and someone had a barbecue. So we, we, uh, we had some fish, fresh fish and, uh, bulamu. What's it? Oh, and Micmac? Fish. Fish. Yeah. What? Salmon. And uh, <clears throat> so we were all together and everybody brought and we had this communal meal there together. And so it was, it was just so relaxing and fun. And so we never really were able to capture that again because I guess it was just something special. And I think camping's like that. There are special moments that happen at camp that you can't plan for. Yeah. It's community. People just are together, right? So you don't always get that in other places, right? Have you uh, experienced some of those times where you really felt that there was this special community at camp? even some of the times when we were preparing to have a camp. We used to have family camp here, and uh, we had different ones come from Burn Church and bring their tents, and mm-hmm. and, yeah. and we'd camp outside, and there's just something about camping outside and having the fresh air and, and cooking on the fire. There's something about food being cooked outside on the fire that tastes, that there's a different taste to it, just a real... Yeah good taste of outdoor cooking and that was just talking around the campfire at night and and singing someone would bring a guitar and we just just be outside and you don't can't you can't do that sometimes other places right no you can't no and it's such a beautiful place here and uh, we have um here at Arrowhead, we have a, a campfire Thursday nights, mm-hmm. and uh, we have skits and different ones sing, and and we have the kids who will do uh, a skit for their cabin, and and mm-hmm. at first they're shy, and but once they get into it, just allowing them <laughs> to let their hair down and yeah. and be themselves and have fun and just to be able to uh, just watch them uh, come out of their comfort zone and just be a little silly and yeah. and have fun. And, exactly. Yeah. And that's something that um, camp can do is kind of communicate value to the person that's there, that they're a value because they, they might be shy. They might be like, you know, maybe in home they're kind of, pushed aside or whatever, maybe they're not, but, um, when they get to camp, then they can kind of come out of their shell and kind of see how they're capable of doing things that they didn't maybe think they were. Yeah. I guess for us that we always thought that Arrowhead was their home away from home Mm -hmm. and we don't know what kind of homes they come from. Yeah. Um, kids are kids and they just love being uh, loved and and just put your hand on their shoulder and just walk with them or some you can hold their hands and and just uh, knowing that whatever little their little lives are not sometimes life is hard sometimes it's not and you get those that just can come mm-hmm. and just <sighs> Take a breather and and just enjoy camp for a week and be with their friends and be with their camp uh, leaders and which the camp leaders will pour their love into them for a week and share Jesus with them. And for us to portray or to show uh, uh, the love of Jesus to these kids and to see them, 
to to allow us to be able to see these kids as kids and mm-hmm. then to let them know they're worth loving, to let them know that God created them in His image, to let them know that uh, they're worth much more than they believe sometimes. As for myself as a child, I didn't believe yeah. any of that stuff. I didn't believe sometimes that I was worth being loved. or and But I know that for myself as an adult and just these kids, I can pour all this into these kids and, and pour much more into these kids and let yep. them know that this is an experience, maybe a one in a lifetime for them. And yep. if they can come for a week and we give them, they can eat as much as they want and they can swim as much as we want. But the most important part is they, the, the part that they, they love the most is uh, coming for gathering time. We used to call it chapel at one time, mm-hmm. but they've changed it to a gathering time where we can sing, memorize verses, and verses they can memorize and 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 they can hide it in their hearts. And once they memorize it, it stays there yeah. forever. And and sometime down the road when they need it, it'll pop out and and yeah, that's true. skits and and. Uh, a time of uh, just doing Bible stories or whatever the speaker has in store for them. He just makes the Bible come to life. That's what we want, isn't it? Yeah. The Bible come to life. Um, we tried to have, like I said, a leadership training, like a leadership and training for like young teens and teens. And sometimes just to be able to show them that they're capable of being a leader and they are in a sense leaders you know because other people are going to be looking to them and uh, so I'm thinking of one particular person is like you know his name is let's say Pete right well we care about him and not just when he's at camp but uh, in the community too right so we were building a relationship with him, but we also want him to know that, you know, he's capable of doing things. Yeah. And that he he someday might be a leader in the community, so. That little bird. That little bird keeps coming back. Yeah. We've been blessed to be able to have uh, camp uh, managers over the years, and and, uh, and we've been blessed to have camp managers who, love the place and who uh, believe in what we're uh, teaching and just it's an awesome responsibility to have someone oversee all that and get the cooks get the uh, it's a lot of work isn't it get the work uh, workers uh, having so much and I yeah. couldn't imagine having the job that they do but they do an awesome job it's it's a lot of work but i mean it's it's all for the same purpose right yeah which is aimed at the campers and then by extension the families because we really want to support families and help families as well and communities yeah so we're trying at least that well not at least but in our particular context of uh that's like a real issue and it doesn't matter like if it's necessarily teaching we love the bible and we teach about jesus because we really believe that but we also like to um help young people get skills that they might not necessarily get discipleship in a sense it's i could say yeah it would enter into discipleship that would be a that would be a good uh yeah a good category for that. But I'm thinking of um, our friend Brenda, and she is an accomplished musician, and she, she's she's actually, you know, gotten awards, and she plays the guitar beautifully, right? Janelle. Yeah. But uh, she was able to get donations of guitars, and I think she had, like, four or five guitars and uh, we actually went to the school and we said well if anyone wants to sign up to learn the guitar during camp 
this is for teens. Put your name here, but if you put your name there, you've got to be there each time. This is at your camp? Yeah. With the 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 lessons were in the tent with uh with Brenda. And uh so the kids put their names there. Kids, they're young, you know, most teenagers. people are kids these yeah. days to me, right? But yeah, teenagers and, and they put their name there and they came. They got there every day and they were learning the guitar and they really enjoyed it. You could tell because they were learning something and it's something useful to learn how to play the guitar is really useful and it also makes you feel good if you can do it. I can't do it, but uh, some people can. But the last day of camp, we we uh, invited the families to come to hear them play. You know, they're going to do a little recital type idea. Yeah. The host of the evening was was Roy, and uh, he's Cree from North Bay, and he's an older man, even older than you or I, but they respect Roy, and he was the MC. And as the people were sitting around, some of the kids said, oh, I like my guitar. Can I buy it? I want to I wanna buy the guitar. And we, we had like smiles on our faces, but anyway, they did their recital. So did you the, sell the guitar? I got 50, no, actually it was during the, um, after they had played, then Roy got up and he said, you've done such a good job coming and, you know, learning the guitar. We are giving you these guitars. Wow. And that's about, that was, it was a hush went over the whole crowd and the kids were just like, wow. Did you know that he was going to do that? Yeah, we knew what we were doing that way, but it, we couldn't have done it that well if it wasn't, you know, the way it happened. If those yeah. kids did not stick with it, if they didn't really like it, yeah. if they weren't going to be thankful and that kind of thing. Yeah. It wouldn't have gone in some, but I'm sure from that, there are some of those young people who have their guitars and they keep playing. Yeah. They will continue with that. Well, that that's was the, good. So those kind of skills, it's not just the skills, but it's the process of it. You know, interacting with Brenda, seeing that she can do it so well. Well, they can do it as well too, you know. Yeah. And of course she talked about Relationship, her relationship with Jesus, and um, just made relationships with them, and you know that trust factor. It takes sometimes a long time to build at a camp. Yeah. Just last year, we uh, we saw that the kid that the the young people were starting to trust us. Just a funny story there. I was sitting there and. Uh, there's this young guy, young boy, and he's funny. He's he's got a unique personality. He's like everybody likes him, right? He says, "So you're getting paid to do this camp, huh?" And he said, "No, all these people are not really getting paid. They're actually taking some of them are taking their holidays. They're driving up here on their some of them paying for their own gas to come and to work." And he looked and he said, "Really? Yeah, that you guys are really nice." And this young girl was sitting there beside him and said, you, now me, it took you all that time to figure that out? <laughs> <laughs> so that was kind of one of those moments that I thought was, showed that, you know, people were getting the idea. It's not, you know, I mean, some people are being helped out with some of their gas by their church or, yeah. but they're going there because, they want to be there. And someone like you that comes year after year or other people that come year after year, the kids look forward to that person being there. It gives them a feeling of uh, somewhat of stability or security, you know? Yeah. You know, that's, that's what we do at our camp. Uh, we don't have paid positions. I think the only position that is paid is our lifeguard. Mm-hmm. But it's 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 a fair salary enough. You need to because and that's such an important part of camp, right? Yeah. 
And then there's all the, everyone has to have like a police check and try to make sure that the camp is safe that way. Yeah. Um, that's very important. In those lifelong relationships, I, oh, I got to tell you this story here. Attitude. I think you were even there at that camp. But we were, I was in another camp and we were, the kids went and they gathered insects in the field. That was their activity. Is gathering Dragonflies? Dragonflies. Uh, well, this one young Mohawk boy, he was only like three feet and a half tall. He was the smartest little guy you ever could think of. And he has this jar with a bumblebee in it. And he just, he's there milling around this, among the staff. And he just casually shakes up that, that, that jar. And of course the, the bee is just, and he just looks at it and he says, he's got a bad attitude. <laughs> it was so nonchalant, you know, yeah. like when he's, he's got a bad attitude. <laughs> but I mean, what, what shakes up your, uh. You know, what shapes up your bottle and yeah. gets you buzzing, right? <laughs> I always remember that. So kids have a lot to teach us. Oh, my goodness, yes. At camp over the years, my job, I've have had different roles. I've been around Arrowhead 28 mm -hmm. years. And I started off as... Whoa, 28 years? How right. old were you when you started? Uh, well, I we was won't... 16, Mark. Oh, okay. Mark. You, you were in the LIT uh, <laughs> program? No, I wasn't. I was a lot older than that. <laughs> I came to the Maritimes. A lot older? Yeah. I was a cabin leader for quite a few years, and then I was uh, a camp director for a few years. And, oh, wow. And, uh, and now I cook. Okay. I'm not in a cabin anymore, but I love to cook. And, yeah, you're a good cook. And my relationship with the kids is different because mm -hmm. I can be in the kitchen and they come and talk, or I can sit in the lounge and, and talk with them, and it's a total different relationship altogether than being in a cabin. It is, and that's like what every camp wants to have, right? A camp grandmother, which is probably... The role that you would, well, being a cook, right? I mean, would you consider Mark, that? Mark. Would you consider that as Mark, grandmothering? You can, Mark, you can stop anytime <laughs> with well, the age. Well, I, I just mentioned that I have, I have grandchildren. So um, anyway. Well, speaking of your children, I saw your children grow up and they were just babies. And they were here. Some of them as babies yeah. at Arrowhead. And now they're adults and and three are married and two have children. And, mm -hmm. and it's just like seeing their parents as little again. It, it's just amazing. It's fun, huh? Yeah. So it's, there are some pros uh, about changing our status in life. Yeah. Well, I mean... I really think it's important to include uh, older people, like in and camping too, right? Yeah. Because they're such a valuable. Yeah. Per, you know, I'm not talking about you, but I'm talking about even some people from the community that come in and the older, the elders. And someone told me he said, "Always obey the elders, right?" Respect. Respect. Yeah. Yeah. Always respect. I had a the Bible elder. club one time, and that's one thing I taught them was respect. Mm -hmm. didn't matter who it is, someone older than yourself. And and they went home and they told their parents what I taught them, and they thought that was pretty cool because when in my Bible club, um, I had kids who obeyed me. Mm -hmm. And if I told them it was time to sit and, and they sat Just and they listened, and it took them a while for me to... To get them to that point where to sit and listen, and mm -hmm. I, I didn't know how I was going to do it. I just asked, Lord, how do I teach them to sit? Mm -hmm. And we just, I practiced sitting with them, and 
And uh, the adult Bible study was in the other room because they heard the kids. Um, and then all of a sudden, one day, they didn't hear any kids. And they said, you better go and check to see if there's any kids <laughs> in that in the Whoa. next room. Because there was, about, <laughs> there was about 40 of them. Yeah. And they came in, and I had 40 kids sitting for 15 minutes. I taught them how to sit. Mm-hmm. Really? And, and, wow. And I was by myself, and to have to teach them, teach 40 kids how to sit, mm-hmm. I thought, thank you, Lord, because it was him. It wasn't me. It's just having to be persistent. Yeah. They, and that's that relationship you have yeah. with them. It can't be enforced. Like, uh, we've always tried to encourage culture like uh and the fact of uh handcrafts and uh some of the like we were talking about bannock hospitality i find that's a part of culture and uh you know have a cup of tea together um and canoeing i've that's a skill not everybody has that um even if you know you were born in the community doesn't mean you know how to canoe if no one ever showed you and there's been times where we've actually had to go, the wind would come up and we have to go get the canoes at the other end of the lake. And But we try to be, have somebody there all the time to keep it safe, right? Yeah. And some some communities are a lot more nervous about canoeing than others. And uh, But anyway, we try to encourage even the language because for me, language learning is being able to learn native languages like, a real like opening, an understanding of the people yeah, who they it are. It opens the door for you. It really does, and you, you kind of, um, well, you can shock some people when you talk to them in their language. I've had that experience where I've talked to somebody and they were taken by surprise because not too many people will take the time to do that, and when they heard me talking or Ruthanna talking in the, their language is like they just were taken really by surprise <laughs> and there are people that learn the language and and that's great um, having campfire sports also sports is fun at camp maybe not always the highly organized bringing out the competition, but just kind of like having fun, like playing soccer with the kids and you have just fun as the object, right? And the kids just love it. Like, Yeah, we have a concrete pad here where we have two basketball hoops. And the kids the, like playing the, basketball? We have some basketballs and that's where a lot of them spend their time is is uh, the some of their, our uh, cabin leaders go down and play basketball with them. Yeah. Yeah. Fishing is something that we did at, this was at Maniwaki Bible Camp, but, and I remember this little boy named Keith. And Keith was a really interesting young man, and well, he was just probably at the time, he was maybe 10. And uh, I remember he had a fishing rod, and so I helped him put a nice big worm on there and then cast it out and... He got a fish, and he was fighting with it, reeling it in, and he brought it in. He had a really nice bass that he caught, and he was so proud of that fish. It was just, he was just beaming, and everybody had to come see him with his fish. And uh, I, I thought, I always remember that, because it was a really nice fish, too, and uh, I, I don't remember if we ate it, but or he took it home but yeah fishing it's a little more complicated but we do that sometimes and we have uh some kids who come with fishing rods yeah and hoping to do a little bit of fishing so sometimes uh some cabin leaders will take them down to the end of the dock there and and just throw in their little rods and mm-hmm. they'd be there fishing <laughs> and sometimes they catch a little one but yeah. it's just a thought of i i guess just going out fishing well fishing is fishing right you catch a big one or a little one it doesn't matter and just putting the worm or the hook in the in the water is like fun so you mean you put worms on real worms on a fishing hook well we make sure we do it in a merciful kind of way like we make sure we avoid <laughs> too much I'm just pain kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, 
Because I want to, I want to, that's something I want to teach my grandkids is how to fish. Yeah. And they're already got a little bit of the fever, right? So it, it's fun. They just, I remember when someone showed me, I think they showed me how to make a hook out of a pin, like to bend that pin. And, but I was really young and I was looking for a place to fish anywhere I could find, right? And, I want to tell a story on you. Uh, One time uh, I was at your place and you have a son. And uh, Mark yeah. is not really a handyman, but Mark's giftings lay elsewhere. And he's got a lot of giftings, but one of them is not a handyman. But he has a son who is out in the he's backyard. He's a handyman. And he took the uh, <laughs> lawnmower apart. Oh, you remember that? Yes. And uh, <laughs> so they come out and hear the lawnmower was apart. And Mark comes out and says, the same way you took that apart, you're going to put it back together. <laughs> and you know what? That young man put it together. And to this day, he can build things and put things together and fix things. He helps me, too. Yeah, and he's just uh, just a multitude of skills, that young man is. And uh and it just goes to show that uh, sometimes the apple don't fall too far from the tree, <laughs> and and uh, you have a real blessing of a son on your hands, yeah. because you just built a house not too long ago, and he came down and and he did a major part he of the work. Yeah. He still helps us all that yeah. way. And a friend of mine also had a story about about that. One time, I was putting in this pedestal sink. We had, we had renovated part of built onto the house and I was installing it and my son came along and he accidentally knocked it and broke it, right? And my friend was there <laughs> and he just remembers that. He, he teases me about it. I don't remember my reaction. I don't think I reacted bad, but he just laughs at that. He thought that was the funniest <laughs> thing that we just glued it and put it back together. It probably didn't didn't matter very much, you know, yeah. and, but <laughs> you're working on something that's fragile and it breaks. Oh. <laughs> but that's all part of it. Like I, I know that, that, uh, he's, yeah, he's really good at, uh, doing that. And, uh, we have a picture of him. Yeah. I'm thankful. So that's comes into the kind of the, uh, under the category of skills, right. And working and, uh, a lot of times over the years, we've had people from the community come in and help us because they just see how much work there is. And yes. when they come and work, I think of this one lady, uh, she came and she worked in the kitchen and she worked with us. We didn't know her all that well, but by the third day, she came to us and she said, I asked Jesus to come into my life. And we didn't know, we'd, nobody had really talked to her, but she was listening all the time. And so now she's, she's engaged like with, the, with Christ and, and um, walking with him. And it was just because of the staff that was there and the way they were interacting and listening to the messages the kids were hearing and uh, the Bible stories. You know, at our camp, we tried to, pull the kids to, you know how I, I string you along into the story that I'm going to tell. It's not always mm -hmm. accurate, It's but it's for the effect, right? Well, anyway, we, okay. <laughs> you, you'll accept. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, we, we have Bible stories and we, we take a lot of time to really make sure that what we present is, is accurate. Yes. But we actually do drama and we, and we um we acted out we have costumes and in instead of having um sit down and listen to a message mm -hmm. we have the dramatization with a narrator yeah and then we have a little conclusion at the end which is more of the message right so we've done different things and uh one man one man that came to the camp he was dark skinned and he was like really tall and he was Pharaoh and we had this Pharaoh outfit on him. And, uh, and one particular point in the story, he stood up in his Royal regalia as Pharaoh and all the kids went, 
<gasps> it was it was amazing because it was like it he looked so regal in that costume they were actually you know drawn in and then we've done things like we had a an arc in part of the tent so we drew a great big arc and then we had a door coming down and so all the kids what they did is they painted their masks. You can get masks at the dollar store and Ruth Anna did a lot of work. Ruth Anna is the mastermind about the drama at our camp. And so uh, they all worked on their masks, different animals. So then came the day to get on the ark and two by two, they lined up <laughs> and they all went in. The door was open. They went into the ark and then they had a string. And so then the door shut all by itself. Just like it said, you know, that, that God shut the door. And so then they're in the ark, which is the end of the end of the tent. And they're sitting there and then they have the rest of the story. They're, they're really attentive because they've kind of entered into the story of Well, that's like almost God. bringing the word of God to life because they're acting it out and, and it almost places them there at that time and in the scene. And that, that's what we aim to do. And, and again, sometimes it, it works well and sometimes it works less well, but we work hard at it to try to get that. And what was kind of neat is later on, because we left the ark there and had the door, we, when people came in to eat, some people could eat inside the ark. They had their, they had their table there and inside and they would yeah. eat their food, some of the adults, right? So, so that was kind of cool, but there was all kinds of situations like that where, Things worked really well, you know. It was it almost came to life, right? Yeah. And it wasn't because it was well planned. It was I think God had a part in it. Yeah. And they would remember the story then. And they do. Yeah. yeah they remember those stories. And I think that's what's really cool is those stories point us to God and our relationship with Him. Yeah. And they're not just stories, they're actual actual accounts like Noah. I believe that, and and but they are they're full of, of uh, meaning, right? Yeah. Too. They come to camp not knowing who Jesus is yeah. or who God is, but by the time they leave, they have an understanding of who Jesus is, what he did, why he came, yeah, and why he died, and that he's not just dead, but he rose again and he's alive. And he's coming back again. And that's good news. Yeah. That's what gospel means, right? Yeah. Good news. And that's why we do camp, so we can let these little ones come to know who our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is, and that we desire that they would come to have that relationship yeah. with him. And our faith is not just based on religion. No. It's based on God, our relationship with him, and our relationship with one another. Yeah. I mean, it's so much more full, and religion's kind of made it more narrow in the sense where it shouldn't be narrow, yeah, and more wide in the places sometimes where it shouldn't be wide, yeah. But in in the person of Jesus Christ is that perfect balance of God's love, His grace, but also His justice, yes. Because God is a God that hates when innocent people suffer. Now, we don't talk about that too often, but I think it's something that we should maybe uh, another another time. another time talk about that, how God hates people who hurt. He doesn't hate the people, but he hates that. Sin. What they do, right? Yeah, it's a sin. That's sin. So. And sin is what, Mark? Sin is, wow, it's a big to topic. That's another whole, I could talk about that, but I mean... It's basically it anything that's not like God, right? I mean, God is perfect, and anything that is... Displeases him, or anything we do, say, yeah. or think that is not appropriate in God's eyes. Yeah, and uh, like sometimes it is like putting burdens on people that we shouldn't put burdens on. Yeah. Sometimes it's uh, not helping somebody that's in need. Sometimes it's uh, just being hard-hearted, you know? Mm. It's just turning away from things that are real in life, right? Yeah. 
Well, thank you, Mark Dana. Thank you, Venus Cote. This has been a broadcast of Arrowhead Radio, a ministry of Arrowhead Native Bible Center. Visit our website at arrowheadnbc.com for more information. Look for a new episode next week wherever you find your favorite podcasts.